Hello and welcome to the Glacier Valley Church of God. Today's podcast was recorded live on Sunday before a full church. If there's anything we can do to bless you, to pray for you, please contact us at 907-789-3605. Glacier Valley Church of God, a place of hope, a place of healing. tend to talk fast when I'm excited, God, and I want everyone to hear what you have to say. Lord, I come against any spirit that would bring confusion or frustration or jealousy. I come against anything, God, that is not of you. Father, we want our elders to be honored. We want our children to be uplifted. And we want our people to leave here knowing, God, that you are a God that not only doesn't change, Lord, but you are determined in your heart to bring good to your people. That's a powerful statement, Lord. God, help me to communicate what I need to communicate today, Lord. In your name, amen. Does anybody else feel the Lord this morning besides me? Praise God. I love it when people like Randy and my daughter are up here and they start to feel the Lord. They, they, they kind of remind me of myself. They have to kind of back away just to kind of have that moment. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? It's powerful, amen? And I love, I love seeing the growth in our people, amen? We're raising up some leaders, aren't we? We're raising up some leaders, and I love that. I love God bringing us leaders, and we're, there's so much diversity. The, the classmates that I have, uh, you know, when I try to tell them about our diversity, how we have, we have Native Alaskans, we have Ukrainians, we have Haitians, uh, and, and we have, you know, white people. It's just amazing the diversity that God has given us. And I love that. This is what heaven looks like. Amen? This is what heaven is about, is that where everyone, regardless of color, comes to the house of God. Amen? Praise God. So we've been talking about what it means to be a Christian. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I am a Christian. Amen. Even if you're not a Christian, you just became one. Amen. 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 I'm a Christian and I, and then look at your other neighbor and say, I believe. What we struggle with sometimes, though, is what do we believe? Amen. Because a lot of us only come to services on Sunday morning. By, by the way, believe it or not, we actually have service on Sunday night and Wednesday night. We're not having it tonight. The reason why we're not having it tonight is we, the, those that were here worked so hard yesterday. And I, just, I don't want to wear people out. So we're not having prayer service tonight. But I just encourage you, you know, coming into the house of God and you're here, amen? But a lot of times we don't really know what we believe, amen? And so the simple title of the message today, and it's, it's actually really simple when you think about it, is a believer, you know what a believer is? A believer is a Christian. We believe in Jesus, right? A believer, are you ready for this? A believer believes. Seems simple, right? It seems simple, but yet it's the hardest thing to do. It's the hardest thing in the world to believe, isn't it? It's the hard, because if I were to tell you that if I sit in this stool right here, that it would not fall, how many would believe that would not happen? Come on, raise your hand. Don't look at me like you're about ready to go to sleep. Some of you are shy this morning, and that's okay. If I were to sit in this stool, pull it out here, and say this 
Or maybe you're thinking I'm just big and maybe you won't support me. That could be it too. If I would have stood in this stool, if I said that this stool will not fall, most of you would believe that, right? It seems reasonable, amen? But if I were to sit there and tell you that today God is going to raise somebody from the dead, you're like, whoa, pastor, come on. But what is the difference between that and that? Really nothing when you think about it. Is God God? Is God God? The only thing hindering God is not the devil. Did you know that? The devil doesn't hinder God. You know what hinders God? Everybody take your finger pointer like this, right? Come on, take it out. Let me see him. All right, you got it? Point it at yourself. That's what's hindering God, okay? We hinder God, amen? Come on, we hinder God. It's okay to admit that. I hinder God because when I don't believe the moment I say, and I kind of picked it kind of an extreme thing, God raising somebody from the dead, our immediate reaction is, okay, I know they did that in the Bible, but come on, Pastor. The Bible is a guidebook for what happens today. He demonstrates to us everything that we can do today, amen? So why can't somebody rise from the dead today? Why can't someone be healed of cancer? Why can't someone be healed of financial issues, amen? Why why can't someone be healed of a cold or a flu or COVID? Why can't somebody be restored in their faith? Why can't they do that? Because what's happened in the church is we've stopped believing. We've got to restore that, right? We've got to restore that in us, and it's perfectly normal because when you go, when you're a Christian, man, when you're first a Christian, when you first get saved, you believe anything, right? And unfortunately, we fall to some deception, don't we? from guys on YouTube or, or Facebook or this or that. We fall to some deceptive teaching. It kind of hardens us a little bit. And we almost have to have God take us back to square one again. Anybody been kind of rocked a little bit by something that didn't happen in their lives that they think God should have done? Yeah, it happens, right? Well, can I tell you something? Whether God did it or not, he's still God. Amen. Come on now. Whether God did it or not, he is still God. We do not dictate what God does. God is sovereign, but I still believe that first of all, that God is God. And second, I believe if God wants to do something, guess what? He can do something, amen? It is all up to God, but I've got to get myself out of the way and believe that God is and he can, amen? He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Let's go to the scripture here, verse, Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. Jesus was just coming off the transfiguration. And I, I got to tell you, boy, this, I wasn't planning on saying this, but I'm going to say it now. You know, a lot of us have an experience with God in church, and we get down in the valley, and we forgot what God did for us. Amen. Jesus was up on the mountaintop, and he had the transfiguration where the glory of God literally appeared through him. And God spoke, this is my son, and listened to him. And they had that experience, and they go to the valley, and they forgot who God was. We do that all the time when we come to church, don't we? We go in, we have this great moment with the Lord, we feel the experience, we go to worship and pastor preaches, we go to the altar and we cry, but the minute we get out into the world and we face adversity, 
The minute we go on into the world and we face adversity, we forget who God is. Can I tell you that the same God that is in church this morning is the same God that walks beside you in the classroom, in life, in Fred Meyer, in Safeway, down Egan Highway, in your job, in your home, wherever you go, that is the same God. Amen? See, here I am getting excited. i got to pull it back a little bit. <laughs> I gotta pull it back. Ready? So they just come off the mountaintop. The disciples are trying to cast out a demon. Some of us need to cast some demons out of our lives. I'm gonna be straight with you about that. But if we wouldn't have fellowship with those demons, they wouldn't be there, would they? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, who's he talking to? He's talking to the disciples. The ones, because they were like, how come we couldn't cast out the demon? You did it. How come we couldn't do it? See, they, they had already gone, and they had already done some things, and God had given them a little power, and they're like, yeah, we can do this, and all of a sudden they met with some opposition. I tell you what, I think this church knows a little bit of something about opposition, don't we? I think we understand what it means to have some opposition in our lives from family members, from people around us. I love it when people try to come up and, okay, here you go, they try to help me, okay? You know, people try to help me, but really it's just discouraging, right? They try to say negative things. Into, you ever have people try to say negative things into your life and there's not really a help, they're just kind of pulling you down? And so the disciples, they said, hey, how come you can do it and we can't do it, amen? And, they, and Jesus said, your unbelief. He says, "Be for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, Everybody knows what a mustard seed looks like. It's just a little, small seed. He goes, if you have faith, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and some things will be impossible for you. Some things will be impossible for you. Did I read it wrong? You sure? Because I, I, I'm not... I'm not feeling that maybe you feel the way that I feel, that some things would be impossible for you. What? Does anybody, does anybody know what nothing means? My bank account balance sometimes. <laughs> you ever try to go to Fred Meyer's and try to buy something and you don't have enough in your account? You know what they say? They say, no, thank you. <laughs> your card declined. Can you do something else? Anybody had that happen to you? Waitress come up to me at the restaurant. I had been giving her a hard time, just, you know, having some fun. And she come to me and she goes, excuse me, sir, your card declined. I'm like, what? She goes, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> yeah, I complained about her. No, I didn't. I'm joking. When you don't have any money in your account, right, it just, it's, it's scary, right? Well, some of us, we don't have any faith in our account, amen? We, and, and what's happened is we become faith bankrupt. The Bible says... Nothing shall be impossible to you. Nothing. Now, immediately when I say that, some of, some of us are like, yeah, pastor, but you don't understand what I'm going through. You're right, I don't. I, I totally agree with you. I do not understand. Pastor, you don't walk in my shoes. You're right, but you don't walk in mine either. Amen? 
Pastor, you don't, you don't get what we're facing, the obstacles we're facing. You're right, I do not, but I, I know someone who does. Amen? I know a Savior. Oh, I love that song, don't you? I know a Savior that walks with me and talks with me and tells me that I am his own. Amen? So I want to tell you this morning, if Jesus said it can be done, then guess what? It can be done. Amen? Nothing shall be impossible for you. Can I just say that again? Because I don't think you're quite receiving what I'm saying. I feel the air of doubt across the room. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to speak to that doubt in the name of Jesus. And it's got to go, okay? But we have to rise up as a church. Can you imagine what kind of fearsome church we would be if we all in one accord would believe? Can you imagine what we could accomplish? Can you imagine that all the bars would shut down if we just believed? Planned Parenthood would shut down. I don't know about you, but I get a little upset that there are boarding babies down there, amen? I don't think we need to go protest. I think they just need to have a lack of customers, amen? Because when you have a lack of customers, they shut down, amen? But Pastor, Planned Parenthood provides care. Yeah, they kill babies. That's the care they provide, okay? I'm just going to call it as it is. You can disagree with me, and I'm okay with that. But I'm going to call it what it is. It is not as it seems. It is a baby-killing, dismembering, cut-their-head-off machine that we don't need in Juneau, okay? We don't need that. I can't believe we're more upset about what's happening in Israel with the terrorists, with what they did to babies, than we are in our own town with what they're doing with babies. Didn't mean to say that, but it went out, so there we go. I want to tell you that if we were a church that had faith, amen, if we were a church that would just rise up and believe, well, pastor, what do we believe? I don't know. How about the salvation of our city, amen? How about God restoring people, amen? Nothing will be impossible for you. But let me tell you where we're at right now. The biggest crime that the church has perpetuated is to believe the lie that God no longer moves. And and we can say that's, that's the Baptist people, the Presbyterians, all we want. But can I tell you, the Pentecostals are now becoming the church that believes that God no longer moves. What happened in the generation of my father and my grandfather has not happened in this generation. And when it doesn't happen from generation to generation, we tend to lose faith. But we need to be that church that rises up and say, we're going to be different. We're going to be different. We're going to take God at his word. Amen. We're going to believe that that mountain behind us can move if we say so. Amen. We're going to believe that God can raise the dead. We're going to believe that God can deliver the alcoholic, the transgender, the liar, the the, the pharisee. See the, the, the Christian who is so legalistic that they don't help anybody. We're going to believe that God can bring healing to our people. Amen. We're going to believe that God can bring healing to our bodies. Amen. We're going to believe that one of us, full of the Holy Ghost, is going, on, going to go to the second floor, the third floor of the hospital, and they're going to walk by hotel rooms, and the Holy Ghost is going to go in the hotel room while they're walking by, and that person is going to rise up out of their bed and be healed. Amen. I believe that. And it doesn't have to be me. It can be one of us. We're going to believe we're going to go up to the, to the mental ward and we're going to just peek our head in. The Holy Ghost is going to sneak in and begin to heal everybody of their mental disease. Amen. We're going to go up to the second floor with a, the with a CCU and we're going to walk in there and people are going to be healed. Amen. Not just pastor, all of us. Amen. Do we believe that God moves? 
But we haven't seen God move, have we? I mean, we've seen snippets, haven't we? We've seen Holy Ghost services where people are crying and worshiping and all those things. But I cannot tell you, can I tell you that I am not satisfied with that? Now, I'm thankful for it. Amen. I'm thankful. But man, I want to see more. I want to see more. I want, to see, I want to see people with demonic oppression come in and be delivered. Amen. I want to see that. But we see this lie that no longer God no longer moves all the more as the day of his redemption or return approaches. Unbelief can come in many different forms. It comes in doubt. It comes in uncertainty. It comes attempting to handle it yourself. Nobody does that right, attempting to do things by yourself that maybe God should do. I'm glad I'm not like that. Maybe a little. The disciples were handicapped. They couldn't fulfill the mission that God called them to do. Can I tell you, brothers and sisters, and this is going to be a little blunt, but don't worry, i got a solution, okay? Can I tell you the church has become handicapped? We're not fulfilling our mission. We're not, come on. We're, we, want, we, we want so bad to have these emotional moments where people come and, and they're crying out to God, but there's not healing there. There's not redemption there. There's not change there. Somebody was talking to me about a revival that's happening down south and they're posting it all over Facebook. And my thought is, I will accept that revival when I see change. Because either God moves and he changes you or it's not God, right? When, when God moves, he changes you, right? And you know how I know what change is? That they look at their pastor and go, God has called me into missions work. I need to get away from this Bible Belt and go where God needs me to go, amen? That's how I'll know there'll be change. Then people have a call of God in their lives and they realize they want to do more than just what they're doing, amen? That's how I know there'll be change. They'll put aside the alcohol. They'll put aside the drugs. They'll put aside a lifestyle that is not conducive to the Christian lifestyle. That's how I'll know there'll be revival. Amen? But we need to have faith about this. Amen? The problem is we've become too familiar with the image of Jesus and not Jesus. Come on. We see Jesus up on the wall and goes, yep, that's Jesus. By the way, I'm going to say something here just to clarify some things. Jesus is not white. Did you know that? There's that picture of Jesus that people see. He's not white. <laughs> Somebody told me they don't want to serve that white Jesus. Well, guess what? I don't either. <laughs> Jesus is not white. That's not the real Jesus. Jesus was a Jew in the Middle East in desert. I can guarantee you he was not white, okay? Jesus was Jesus, amen? They, we need to get our eyes off what he looked like and determine who he is, amen? I, you know... People got upset. 
People got upset because they made Jesus a black Jesus. You know what my thought is? If that gets you closer to him, praise God. I don't care. Amen. Just follow Jesus. Let's not worry about all those other things that don't matter. Amen. Brown Jesus, white Jesus, purple Jesus, it doesn't matter. Let's just follow Jesus. Amen. But listen, this is how Jesus, I, I, this is how I know that people can accept Jesus for who he is. They didn't even accept him while he was there. Listen to this. In, Matt, in Mark chapter 6, verses 4 through 5, it's not going to be up here. Just listen to me. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. Hmm. See, some of you have struggled in your faith because your family members don't accept you. They don't, they, all they do is remind you of your, who you used to be. You ever have that? Oh, I remember when you did this. I remember when you did that. Oh, that's funny. But well, let me tell you what God is doing to me now. Amen. Hmm. Without honor, except in his own country, um, among his own relatives and his own house. Whew. That's pretty powerful right there. That's, you know why I love church? Because nobody here knows about my past. They're not here to remind me, except for the time that I've been here, and we can joke about that, right? You don't remind me about my past because you don't know my past. We're here, and we just love each other, amen? You're my brothers and my sisters. Now, this is what happened when they did not accept him. Now he cannot do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. In other words, thanks guys for putting that up. You didn't have to, but thank you. In other words, God moved, but not to the level that he wanted to. Can we say that's happening in the world right now? Where God wants to move, but not to where he wants to be? You know why? Because people have an image of Jesus that that's who Jesus is. And when Jesus really shows up, they're uncomfortable. Come on now. I'm not comfortable without Jesus. I'm, I, I, that's not the Jesus that I grew up listening to. Well, maybe the Jesus you grew up listening to was wrong. Because when the real Jesus shows up, that's what we need to pay attention to. Amen? As a matter of fact, the Pharisees knew who Jesus was, but they crucified him anyway because they didn't want the real Jesus. They were comfortable with their power. He was a threat to them. And the real Jesus is a threat to us. And it's not really a threat to us as much as it is our nature. You understand our, our nature, our fleshly nature doesn't want God, does it? it? It's a threat to us. But I'm telling you, if the church, let's, let's kind of break it down a little bit more. If our church, if our church got a hold of this moment and said, Jesus, just come. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, no matter, I just want you, Jesus, and that we're willing to accept that Jesus that comes to be a part of our lives and their work through it. Can you believe the miracles that we're going to have in this church? Can you believe that what God is going to do? Take a moment right now. And I want you to just think about something that you need in your life, a miracle. Wouldn't it be awesome if God did that? Come on, wouldn't it be awesome if God did that? Man, we walk around with all these troubles. We walk around with all this pain. We walk around with all this sorrow. And God says, why are you carrying the burden? Did I not say my burden is easy and my yoke is light? How many feel light this morning? I'm going to tell you, we're not meant to carry that. God says, give it to me. Have a little faith. Amen. Have some faith that I'm going to work in your life. I know it's hard. Because again, God doesn't work the way that we want him to work sometimes, does he? 
God, I want a million dollars. Well, how come I don't have a million dollars yet? You're supposed to just give it to me. How many knows that God doesn't work that way? You may get a million dollars, but it may be over the course of your lifetime. Amen? We don't, we, we're so narrow in our vision. When God wants to do something, he's going to do it his way. Amen? Those of you with children understand what I'm talking about. If your three-year-old son wants a motorcycle, you're not going to give it to him until he's four. We had a, a four-wheeler when we lived up north. And my son, who I believe was 10 at the time, maybe 11, and I made the mistake of letting him drive the four-wheeler by himself. About killed him. And then my wife almost killed me. <laughs> then I let Julie drive it, and she really, she's got a lead foot. That was pretty funny. And again, I almost died that day because of what I did. But as a parent, we understand there's things that you just don't do. You don't give your children right now. Amen. In the same way, God is a great father. He doesn't give things until we're ready. And I really want to make sure we understand this. We know about Jesus, but we don't know Jesus. Because we're trying to understand Jesus based on our heritage, based on what we know, based on our life experiences, and it doesn't work like that. When you come to Jesus, all those things has to be stripped down. It doesn't mean any of those things are wrong, but we have to come to him in simplicity, and he gives those things back to us. There's a blessing in believing what we haven't seen. In John 20, verse 29, he said this. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen Yet has believed. That's called faith, y'all. That's called faith. It's to believe when no, there's no logical reason to believe. To believe when there's nothing that causes you or says to you, this is how we need to believe or this is what we're supposed to do. To, there's nothing that seems right about believing, yet we believe not because we want something to happen, but believe there's God said so. Amen. God said so. Now your first question out of that was, what if, what if God didn't say so? Can, can I tell you this? Every good gift comes from up above, from the Father of lights. You understand that God wants good things for you, right? Come on now. Now, does that mean God wants you to have a Mercedes? <laughs> Maybe. But that's not the real thing that he wants from you. How about a family restored and coming to church with you? How about that? Who would... Who would gladly give up a Mercedes 500 SL to have their family in church with them? Amen? Or, or maybe what God wants to give to you is health. Who would gladly give up that Mercedes to have good health and restored? Amen? Or maybe, for you young adults, maybe God wants to give you a better job. Amen? Amen? Maybe God wants to give you a better job. Or maybe, maybe for you young single people, God wants to bring to you the perfect man or woman into your life. Amen? Amen? Come on. When I was uh, 
traveling up the Alcan, I was really discouraged. I didn't think anybody would want to marry me. You know, feeling sorry for myself. And my dad said these famous words, I never forget. He goes, son, there's somebody out there for you. God has somebody, and you'll meet them, and this will be the one. I trust me. I promise you, there's somebody out there for you. And I'm like, whatever. And sure enough, I got to Anchorage, and I met my wife. And, and, I, and we just, you know, we celebrated 23 years together this year, and she's been with me through thick and thin. And, and you know, we just, now that the kids are kind of moving out of the, you know, out of the house a little bit, we, we're finding ourselves alone, and we're just enjoying time with each other. And I, I'm not meaning to, you know, talk about my personal life in such a way, but I'm just trying to get you to understand that when God promises you something, young people, and he promises you he's going to bring you somebody, then he's going to bring you somebody, and don't settle for less. Amen? Don't settle for less. Don't, don't settle for somebody because you're desperate. Desperation causes impatience, and impatience means you accept some faith give you. Amen? God gives you the perfect thing, and when we have faith, faith and believe God brings you something. Amen. What if what if not only did God bring you healing or God brought you that special someone in your life? What if what if God just healed your finances? Come on now. Anybody anybody's finances need to be touched this morning? Anybody's finances need to be touched this morning? Amen. Come on. Come on. Listen. You know, the devil tries to come in and steal, doesn't he? And God comes in to bless, right? So I don't understand why people want to serve the devil because all he does is take, take, take. God gives, 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 amen? But why do we not believe that? Why do we not believe that? But, oh, pastor, my life is so hard. Yes, it is. But God's the only one who can make it better. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm not mocking you or making fun of you. I'm just telling you, God is the, just stick it out. Don't give up, amen? So how do we get back to faith? How do we get back to that moment where we believe what he says? Almost like we're a new believer again. Our, our heart of stone needs to be broken up a little bit, doesn't it? There's a simple word here, are you ready? Relationship. Relationship with God. Relationship. Do you, do you know how long it takes to build a relationship? It's not overnight, is it? I've been with you, some of you, for seven years, and I'm just now getting to know you. And I really don't even know you all that well. But it takes time, right? Now, I'm not saying it's going to take you seven years with the Lord. Don't misunderstand me. But you're not just going to show up to church on Sunday morning every now and then, and expect to have a relationship with God. You're not going to pray once every other week or pray only when you're in trouble and expect to have a relationship with God. You're not going to just read your Bible only because pastor reminded you and expect to have a relationship with God. It is a continual thing. Now, if you miss a day, it's not meant to make you feel guilty. That's not what that's about. But it's about building that relationship. And listen to this. He says this in the previous verse, and, or the next verse, in verse 21 of Matthew 17. He goes, you lack faith. Then he does a however. He says a however, verse, verse 21. And it's not going to be up there, so just, just listen to me. He says, however, 
This kind, this demon, does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Do you know what prayer and fasting is? Are you ready? Do you think, do you think oh, if I just fast, then God will take care of all my problems? That's not what fasting is about. I want to clear up some miscommunication. That's not what prayer and fasting is about. You mean, Pastor, if I fast, then God will heal my finances? Again, you're missing it. You're, you're missing it. You know what fasting is about? Fasting and prayer? It's about building relationship. It's about building relationship. Come on now. It's about building relationship. Randy, come here a second, please. Stand right here. Just right there. No, face me, okay? All right. Randy, I want you to hug me. Come on, hug me. Randy, why won't you hug me? No, Randy, hug me. Randy doesn't love me. Come on, Randy, hug me. What's keeping me from hugging him? Huh? Me, right? Apparently my left arm is a lot stronger than Randy. Okay? Okay. I didn't realize I was this strong. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, Randy, I really need you in my life right now. Please hug me. Please hug me, Randy. Come on, I need you, Randy. Come on, Randy. Randy, come on, hug me. Randy doesn't love me anymore. Isn't that what we do to God? Isn't that what we do to God? You know what fasting does? What fa this is what fasting does. Fasting, I'm denying myself and my body pleasure. How many like food besides me? Man, if you put some biscuits and gravy in front of me, I am down with that. Right? Or fry bread or whatever. I mean, I'm, I'll, if you put it in front of me, it'll be gone in 30 seconds. Amen? You remove that movie, gone in 60 seconds. For me, it's gone in 30 seconds, okay? It's just how it is. When I fast, I tell the Lord I'm serious about removing, the, don't go anywhere, about removing those things in my life that are not of God. You know what happens when you fast? All the things that you're struggling with all of a sudden come out in the open. When you're fasting, all of a sudden you're thinking thoughts like, oh my goodness, I actually thought that thought? I can't think that thought. I'm supposed to be a Christian. That doesn't mean that, that that's who you are, but God is bringing you in the open so you can repent from it, so he can cleanse you. That's what fast, and all of a sudden, it's like the, the hindrance between me and God is being, is being removed because I'm confessing my sin, sin I didn't even know I had. Hindrances, or maybe I knew it, I just didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to admit to it. Some of you men need to hear that. Because some of you men are doing things in secret. Some of you men are doing things in secret that you need to stop. Okay? That's all I'm going to say about that. And it removes those hindrances for me. And so now, now I'm closer to God. But guess what? I'm not all the way there, am I? You know why? Because I'm still struggling. I want to control things. Come on. Come on, Aaron. You hug me. You can hug me a little bit. Put your arms around me. It sounds kind of creepy, doesn't it? You're not a good hugger. I just want to tell you that. <laughs> not, not, not for men. Don't, want don't me say that out loud, okay? <laughs> All right. <laughs> don't talk. 
Okay, I didn't hug you. All right, but there's still that hindrance. You guys feeling me where I'm coming on this? Are you with me? But when I confess my sin, so God, I recognize that thought I just had, and that's not right. I need to deal with that. It's like holding it. When you fast, it's like holding up a lighted mirror in front of you and God revealing to you who you are. That's what fasting does. And then guess what? When all that sin is removed in my life, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit can start coming through me a lot more. Amen. All of a sudden the Holy Spirit's like, oh, I got some room to move now. I got Demons, you better be careful because I got the Holy Ghost coming through me right now and I can speak with some authority. Amen? But see, what happens, guess what? When I have sin in my life and I try to speak to the devil, the devil's going to go, whatever. You ain't got no authority over me. Yesterday, just stick here. You're fine, right? I know you like being in front of people. You're good. So yesterday I was teasing Peyton. I was trying to tell her what to do. And she looked at me and she says, it wasn't yesterday, maybe a few weeks ago. She looked at me and she goes, you're not my mom and dad. Right? And it was true. It's funny, right? And I just had a good laugh over that. Because I love Peyton. I just think she's the greatest thing in the world, her and me. And I love all of our kids. But I didn't have that authority over her. And I was teasing with her. But when we try to have things in our life, we try to speak to the devil. We try to say, ah, the devil's like, you ain't got no authority over me. You may, know, you may talk about Jesus, but guess what? You don't know Jesus. Come on. A lot of us are struggling with things in our life because we don't have the authority that God's given us because we refuse to let go of those things in our life that we need to let go. Well, all of a sudden I confess my sin and I say, Lord, I need you to do this. And I fast and he presents it to me. And I say, Lord, I need to change this. All of a sudden I can go up to God like this. And God moves through me and he can move through me and he says, I'm his son. See what happens there, that physical contact between me and God? And God can move through me. Amen? This is the closest we can become that's intimate. Amen? Yeah. All right, was that uncomfortable for you? Right. <laughs> Thank you, Randy. We need to work on your hugging skills, though. I'm going to tease Randy just because I can, and Helen paid me to do it. You guys understand where I'm going with this? When we fast... God begins to change things in our life. But a lot of us haven't fasted in so long, we don't even know. Amen? We haven't really gotten serious about a relationship with God. A relationship with God is more than just showing up on Sunday morning and saying, yeah, I went to church. Hey, praise God you went to church. But it's time to say, I'm ready to rise up and be the Christian that God has called me to be. I am not accepting the things in my life that are coming against me because the Bible says, some weapons formed against me shall prosper. No, he says, no weapon formed against me. Not some. No weapon. What about the big weapons? No. What if the devil's over there scheming? I got you now. No. What the enemy thought was for evil. The Lord said, nah. Nah, you're not messing with my child. I've told this story a hundred times, and I'm going to tell it again because it really illustrates the point. I was young. I was about 10 years old. I was a real skinny kid, believe it or not. And these group of boys wanted to beat me up. And they were threatening me. They were saying, we're going to beat you up. And I was like, no, you're not. And I started crying a little bit. No, not let you. 
These boys were coming up, they were staring over me, and all of a sudden they got scared. And I was like, why are they scared? And they kind of backed off. We're sorry, we're not going to be here. And I was like, what's going on? I looked around, and my skinny mama was walking up with her finger waving like that. You don't touch my boy. I was embarrassed that my mom had to come save me, but I was also very glad, amen, (laughs) because I was about to get in some serious trouble, okay? She was sitting there waving that skinny, bony finger at them, and they were like, oh, I'm scared now. Can you imagine? I'm not calling the Lord a skinny, bony finger. Can you imagine the Lord with his nail-pierced hands and his side, amen? He's coming up, wagging his finger. The devil said, you don't touch him, amen? You don't touch her, amen? But it's time, it's time we move away from being the victim to being the victor, amen? Listen, I understand, a lot of us don't understand what it means to be a victor because we kind of live that victim mentality and that's how we were raised. And I am telling you, you are no longer a victim in Christ, amen? You are a victor, amen? You are a victor, amen? You will rise up, you will walk hand in hand with the Lord and if what the Bible says, whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, amen? We have been given authority, We're going to talk more about that this Wednesday. I encourage you to attend. It is time for Christians to walk in faith. Amen? Pleasing God is tied to our faith. Hebrews 11.6. Listen to this. But without, say that word. Faith. Faith. Say it again. Everybody say it. Just got to make sure everybody's awake i got to commend some people falling asleep in a Pentecostal church. That's impressive. Without faith, it is what? To please him. Oh, I just want to please the Lord. Well, then have faith. No, I don't want to do that. (laughs) I want to please him on my terms. No. See, A lot of people have trouble giving to the Lord financially because they don't believe he's going to restore it back to them. Great job this morning, by the way, Randy. A lot of people struggle in giving to the Lord. They struggle in giving their problems over to the Lord because it seems like they're dealing with one thing after another. There is rest in God. He says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he or she who comes to God must, what's that word? That was the weakest believe I've ever heard in my life. Come on, guys. We're Pentecostal. That means we raise our voices a little bit, okay? I want to hear you. I want to hear you. For he who comes to God must believe. That was much better. That he what? He is. What did Jesus say? I am. He said it seven times. I am. We'll believe that God is. That's the trouble in church today is we've forgotten that God is. We think God's up there and we're down here. No, God is right here. Amen? We believe that he is and I love it when the Bible does the end. That means I'm going to make a powerful statement and something else happens. That's when my wife looks at me and says, you can have the mashed potatoes and the gravy. It's a great moment, amen? Or you can have the Kit Kat and the Snickers. Those are all good things. I got away with it yesterday. That's probably my last day. 
He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Brothers and sisters, you can't just come to church and say, okay, I'm going to see God now. No, you got to wake up in the morning, take your feet out of bed, and as soon as they hit the ground, Lord, I seek you today. I thank you, God. What mission do you have today? As you go about your word day, you say under your breath, God, I worship you. What do you want from me today? How can I serve you? You go to bed that night. You say prayers before every meal. Listen, don't let that become ritualistic. Let that be real, amen? Then you do this and you do that. You go through the day and you recognize who God is and you say, God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I need you. We diligently seek him. But see, sometimes we forget and the devil comes at us to say, oh, you forgot to seek God today. He's against you. No, it doesn't work that way. God is as near as your voice to him. That's all it takes. Isn't that a great God? I don't, have to, I don't have to make up with God to get his favor again. I don't have to offer all these sacrifices. Oh, God, I'm sorry. No, God, I just, I'm sorry for my sin, and we're restored. God lovingly waits for us to just verbalize to him. In the great chapter in Hebrews, where this has come from, it's equivalent to the Faith Hall of Fame. The writer details historical heroes who had faith and demonstrated what it means to believe. Can you imagine building a boat in the middle of the desert like Noah? Can you imagine that? That'd be like me putting solar panels in Juno. Right? Maybe you can do that. I don't know. Can you imagine having a baby past 90 years old? Abraham and Sarah did. A baby. I see our young parents with their babies running around. I'm thinking, man, I don't want to do that. And I'm only 53. Can you imagine being 90 and chasing a baby? No, but they did it. It wasn't easy, but they believed. I'm going to say this statement to you, and I want you to listen to me. Miracles can happen. Miracles can happen. <laughs> All right, you guys ready? Miracles can happen. Amen. Amen? Okay, you heard them. Let me hear you guys. Miracles can happen. Amen? Praise God. But we've gotten so used to church that in a lot of places, and sometimes here, we've forgotten to have church. The purpose of church is to build us up. The purpose of the church is for God to extend his miracles. Amen? There are people that are called cessationists that believe that God stopped doing miracles at the end of the New Testament. I want to be clear about this. The last chapter the last book in the New Testament is Revelation, and we haven't gotten to Revelation yet. So God's still doing miracles, okay? God's still doing miracles. I want to close with this verse, and today I'm just going to have you guys play some music for me, please. I want to share this scripture with you. Because I feel like in my heart it's 
Some of you have gotten discouraged. Some of you feel like God is not listening to you anymore. Some of you feel like that you're so far from God right now that you just, you struggle just to come to church. You're tired. You ever been, there's a difference between being tired and being weary. Being weary, you can go to bed and wake up still tired because you're emotionally exhausted and spiritually exhausting from fighting all the battles. I know, without anybody having to raise their hands this morning, I know, I know, I feel it. There are people in the house today who feel weary. Can I tell you right now that God's ready to restore? Can, can I tell you that God is ready to speak to your heart and tell you, I haven't gone, but it's time for you to remove that unbelief which can hinder my work. And can I tell you that more than likely you're, all your problems are not going to go away tomorrow? They're not. That's where we get discouraged. God, I went to church. No. It's a lifestyle. It's faith. Amen? I'm going to share this verse with you. Let us not grow. What's that word there? While doing good. That means don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up because you're tired. How many of you moms got up at 3 a.m. in the morning to give your kid, your baby, something to drink because they were hungry and you still got up and went to work the next day? Moms, young moms, you impress me. How many, how many of you dads, you gone to work when you're sick and you did what you needed to do because your family needed it? You understand what I'm talking about then, amen? So in our Christian walk, we have to continue to go even though we're tired. But here's the great part. I love this part right here. Are you ready? For in due season. Oh man, I love that part. In due season. You know what that means? That means there's going to time. There's going to come a time when all those tears, oh, praise God. All those tears, Helen. All that prayer. All that time. God's going to say, I'm here. In due season, we shall, what's that word? You know what reap means? That means we're going to get some food, amen? That means God's going to bring a harvest in your life, amen? In other words, no more, no more uh, times where there is no harvest, amen? No more times of famine. No more times of deadness where the enemy has taken and destroyed. No more times of sorrow. God's going to bring a time of reaping into your life. Everything that you've been crying and waiting for and seeking God for, hallelujah, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming, amen? Now, is tomorrow going to be rough? Could be. How about Tuesday? Is it getting better? I don't know. God doesn't tell me these things. But what he has told me for this church, 
our season's coming. In due season, our time is coming because so many people, so many people have put this church down. So many people have written us off and said, we're not going to do this, we're not going to do that. And when I hear that, I just kind of laugh and I go, but you don't know God. In your life right now, the things that you've been crying about, the things that you've been seeking God about, in due season, that time is coming and you shall reap if you don't lose heart. Don't give up. It's like someone running a race and then falling right before the finish line and saying, I can't do this. Don't give up. And then when all of us have faith and God begins to move in our life and we believe, it just, can I be honest with you? If I just had five people full of faith, we could turn the city upside down. Five people. Imagine 50 people. I'm not talking about filling this church. I'm talking about people getting off drugs and alcohol and changing their lives. There are going to be people who don't agree with me theologically. You know what I say to that? Don't care. It's not about theology. It's about people coming to the Lord. Amen. If they want to go to the Baptist church, I don't care. They're going to church. Amen. If they want to go to some other church, I'm fine with that. But what I want is this city restored. I want people healed. Amen. I want people to be healed. Amen. I don't, I don't want anything in this life. It's not about me. I don't want anything in this life, but I want to see a city on fire for God where the bars are shut down, amen? Where, the, where, the, where, where people go and they said, listen, we have all this excess alcohol, but nobody wants it, and they can't even give it away. Listen, I want to live in a place where, like I said, Planned Parenthood is shut down, and the people are having babies, and they're raising their children in the proper way, amen? And I want to be at a place where our teachers and our children are going to school, and they, we love our teachers, we love our children, and they're teaching God's Word in the school, amen? And we don't need police officers in the school because we're afraid somebody's going to bring harm. That's when you know there's a problem in America. But see, I can't do it by myself, y'all. I need people willing in faith. It doesn't matter if you agree with my theology or not. I'm just talking about simple faith. Amen? You, we can agree on that, right? For people to be changed. Stand with me. Mm, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, I praise your name. Everyone bow their head, please. I'm not, I'm not even going to open my eyes. I'm going to keep my eyes closed too, y'all. Because I need somebody to make a commitment to God. I'm not even going to know about it. I need somebody to make a commitment to God and say, Lord, I want to have that faith that can move mountains. Show me how. I want that faith that moves mountains, God. Show me how. Maybe it is what Pastor said. Maybe it's not. Maybe for me it's different, Lord. I want to know how to have that faith, God. So, Lord... Or people, if that's you, I simply want you to acknowledge that to God right now. In your own way. You can raise your hand. You can just tell him verbally. You acknowledge that to him right now. Nobody's looking around, not even me. Thank you, Jesus. 
Everybody look at me now. If that was you, the devil is going to attack your faith first off. I'm just letting you know, okay? He's going to attack your faith. He's going to make you question it. As a matter of fact, when you leave here, he's probably going to do that. Can I tell you the greatness of God if you'll just hold on? Just hold on. Just look at me. Look at me. Grab on to the hem of his garment. Grab on to the hem of his garment. Amen? Grab on. Listen. Grab on to the hem of his garment. If that's... Sorry, Richard. Grab on to the hem of his garment. Amen? Grab on. If that's all you can do, hold on to that. Amen? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Thank you, brother. Praise God. I just feel the Lord. I feel the Lord. Randy, come and dismiss us in prayer before I preach another sermon. I want you to listen, brothers and sisters. Listen to me carefully. God has chosen this church. He's shown me things that I cannot talk to you about yet. Because we have to do our part first. Imagine, if you will, a city clean. That could be our church. Thank you for listening to our service. Be sure to catch the video edition of this on either YouTube or Facebook Live. Again, if you need prayer, contact us at 907-789-3605. May God richly bless you in all things.